the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. We are delighted to be joined by none other than the author for the case for Trump from Stanford University, Professor Victor Davis Hansen. Welcome back to America First. Thank you for having me. Professor, we, we played earlier today a, um, a, a soundbite from the first debate between candidate Biden and President Trump in which he was asked and he responded, and this is Joe Biden, that I will not, I will not do anything until the votes have been certified. Right now, we do not have certification of the votes. Just early today, Georgia said they have to have a manual recount of all votes. What is your reaction so far to the last eight days of politics in America? <laughs> Well, that was then, and this is now. <laughs> so uh, I, I think they thought the, the polls and the media had ensured them a, a landslide victory. When that didn't happen, they had, in certain states, there were irregularities, and I think they understood there would be re- irregularities. And now they're a little, I thought every, they were going to get, you know, move on and get over it in a way that Hillary never did in 2016 and so now i think they're a little troubled because uh it's north carolina has been called it's very very close in georgia and arizona and if it comes down to pennsylvania of all the states that has the clearest constitutional issues because i think both sides agree that the legislature's uh regulations and laws were overturned in an anti-constitutional fashion just a question of whether the supreme court will want to take the heat and rule constitutionally, which would overturn the election. You you said that there's an article up at Fox Business. Uh, the headline is rather telling. Victor Davis Hanson, America cannot survive Biden presidency with Democratic majority in House, Senate. He's going to have to do something because he can't stay in the basement anymore. Does that mean that uh, you think the president's attempts at various legal remedies and federal court relief will fail? Or is the jury still out, as it were? No, I think I think the uh, jury's still out. The problem with all commentary that I've learned is that if you try to warn people about um, the dangers or the irregularities of a Biden presidency, then a lot of people on your side say, "Well, you're you shouldn't even mention that." But I think you should mention that because uh, the the odds are not have never been in the president's favor as far as the advantages of the deep state and uh, the media pollster. So we have to be realistic. It's an uphill fight. 
You have written many books on classical uh, Greek history, on strategy, not just your political commentary in the case for Trump. And one of, the, one, of your, one of your key arguments or one of the works that I've enjoyed the most, including your lectures, is your talk of the unusually robust leaders and military men that civilization needs when there is an existential threat, the, the George Pattons, if you will. And uh, I've been discussing a piece, you may have seen it in The American Thinker by Jay Valentine. It's a thought piece where he says, the question is, what would George Patton do if he were the President of the United States? And, and the scenario is following. I, I would like to test it out on you. The author says, Patton was the master of offense, Never sit still, always attack, keep your enemy off balance. And the idea that in the next 30 days there will be enough time to demonstrate election fraud of a scale that will reverse key battleground state results is, is slim, of course. So here's this author's argument. Be a bit like Patton. The president should hold rallies in those key states that he was winning until midnight of November 3rd and put pressure on those mostly Republican state houses not to certify the election because of the rampant fraud that they don't have time to technically prove in court. And therefore, when they don't certify, there is no 270 for either candidate, and it goes to the House of Representatives for a party state delegation vote wherein the Republicans are in the majority. Is it wise? Is this pie in the sky? Or should the president try to exert more political pressure to gain relief than to trust in the whims of the judiciary? Well, I, I'm not sure. I'm not aware of the intricacies of state law in all of these swing and disputed states. But I think the Secretary of State will certify the election as valid or invalid. Based, I'm not sure. The, I think the legislature may have a role, but I think it'll be up to the Secretary of State. It's, it's beyond doubt that public opinion uh, affects these so-called so disinterested officials. But I'm not sure we're at that point right now, because I think there's a 40, 60, 50, 50 chance that the president will either win the recount in Georgia and Arizona when they vote or uh, be in a position where a recount will be able to find out effectively which ballots should be invalidated. He's that close. So I think we're really talking, and if that should happen, that would be worth a thousand rally. In other words, if Donald Trump, if, if we wake up in a week and Donald Trump has won in a row, North Carolina and Georgia and Arizona, and it's still out in Nevada, then all eyes turn to Pennsylvania. And what's part of Trump's problem right now politically and in a public relations media sense is it's too scattered. There's Arizona. Every, the left keeps saying, well, even if you win Arizona, there's always Georgia. There's always North Carolina. But if he could resolve these through recounts or the original count, then the focus becomes on Pennsylvania. And all of his resources have been uh, are coalesced into an area that I think is in, indefensible because of the late arriving ballots yes. and the con constitutional question. So that's what I'm hoping that we may get to rallies, but right now let's get get the vote in in Arizona and get if it's very close and I think it will be, and I think there's some irregularities. Ditto Georgia. Let's get a recount immediately, 
And then I think we can we can work on Pennsylvania, but once those go, that momentum will be remarkable, yeah. especially given the media's warping of their analysis and prediction. No, it absolutely is a question of momentum right now. He is senior fellow at the Hoover Institution at Stanford. Follow him on Twitter, VD Hansen, regular author on superb sites like American Greatness, amgreatness.com. And The Case for Trump is his book that you must read. Professor, what is your estimation? We, we've seen a few predictable ones like Romney, congratulate a man who thinks he is the president-elect. What, what is your, your estimation of the GOP establishment in terms of holding the line behind the president, his campaign, and his lawyers like Rudy Giuliani, who are fighting the legal battle? I think it's mixed. Uh, if you def- Mitch McConnell, for example, has been very good. Even people, Bush uh, advisors like Karl Rove have been pretty good. Uh, Fox has been split, but if you look at the main lineup that anchors that whole network, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram, they've been very good on it. They've been loyal. And when we talk about defections, we're either talking of two types of people. The apostates that are in the bulwark uh, dispatch group and some of my colleagues, many of my colleagues at the National Review or uh, and where I worked at the Hoover Institution, for example, mostly people who were loyal to the Bush dynasty. And then... uh, some uh, defections among senators, a Ben Sass, for example, we, everybody expected that. So, and a Romney. So I don't see, I really, I mean, when the, when the left has to have on CNN a list of senators that they're targeting that won't call the election, you get the impression that for all of the, diver- the disunity that Donald Trump was supposedly had incurred, that his party is staying very loyal to him. And it's partly because they know that Donald Trump gave them advantages they wouldn't have otherwise, but partly they understand that in this upcoming election in Georgia, if they don't stand together, two things are going to happen. One, the base won't come out in Georgia. They'll say, why come out when they gave up? And two, the left will say, we got away with it in all of these different states, so there's no deterrent effect in Georgia. You, you stand tough right now and demand accountability, then people who may have had some ideas in their mind on January 5th may not have so many. So, uh, so, come, come January 5th. so far, so good when it comes to the establishment. Why? Because I do think the party has become Donald Trump's party. Uh, short of him messing with the Electoral College and trying to have Republican or friendlies pick their own electors and, you know, go grand scale with faithless electors, what can be done to stop anything he wants to do in the next 70 days? Well, if Vice President Pence and the cabinet had an ounce of fortitude and spine and patriotism, I think they would seriously consider invoking the 25th Amendment. Um, and, you know, pushing Donald Trump out because he is just very unpredictable now. He's like a cornered cat, tiger, and he is going to lash out. And the fact, that, again, that he has the powers of the presidency in his hands is quite worrisome. That is the former director of the CIA uh, under Barack Obama, a man who, in my estimation, still has his clearances, who is saying the president should be removed by the cabinet and the vice president. Strategically, what kind of a statement is that, Professor Hansen, when a former cabinet-level official says, remove the president? Is that okay in America? 
No. So spoke someone who has admitted that he lied on two occasions about drones and then the Senate computer surveillance. Yes. Uh, under under oath and was never charged with perjury. And I think he's very eager to get another chance to lie a third time uh, in a and envision Biden. He envisions a Biden administration. But the 25th Amendment is an area where he shouldn't go because that was a complete disgrace where we even had reports that there was a discussion between the acting FBI director and the acting uh, attorney general to put a wire. And then in reaction to all that, we had Bandy Yee, the Yale uh, psychologist, say that Donald Trump should be declared uh, non compos mentes and forcibly removed. And we went through all that. And we went to it to the point of a joke where Donald Trump took the Montreal, Cog Montreal Cognitive Assessment Test and aced it. And I don't think he wants to bring up the 25th Amendment because, of course, I think the narrative, or I should say the subtext of the Biden campaign is he would never be able to pass the Montreal Cognitive Assessment <laughs> Test that Trump did. So when he says 25th Amendment, all I can think of is that would benefit only one person, and that's uh, it would be turned on Joe Biden and Kamala Harris would be a beneficiary. Where, where, where are we today, Professor Hansen, in America, where a former intelligence chief can call the, per, the president, the incumbent president, treasonous, a man who just received the biggest vote ever for any president, telling that his cabinet should remove him from office. And at the same time, he's not only saying that on a, on a national channel, he's in the pay of a national channel as a commentator. When, when did this happen? Clearly not overnight. No, I think Donald Trump ripped off a scab. He didn't cause the wound. He ripped off the scab, and what was beneath it was pretty putrid. So this had been going on on question. And then in their anger and, and fury at Donald Trump, they revealed themselves without their veneers. I mean, when you have the so-called esteemed historian John Meacham writing Joe Biden's acceptance speech and then commenting on it as if it's a great work of oratory, that you can see the levels of corruption. And so it's everywhere. And um, John Brennan, I mean, this is a guy who weaponized the CIA in league with a weaponized FBI to destroy the integrity, attempted to destroy the integrity of a campaign, a transition and a presidency. And I think a lot of it's preemptive. He's trying to get Donald Trump out of there before he does something such as, I don't know, appoint a, a special prosecutor to look into Hunter Biden. And that would put an onus on if Joe Biden were to be elected, what would he do? Would the left all of a sudden say Donald Trump threatened to remove Robert Mueller, which he never did. And you can't do that. To, you have to remove a special prosecutor looking into the Biden. So I think that all of these things worry Brennan. person like that who is a creature of Washington doesn't exist. He can't breathe without that air of uh, an official title. And he's desperate to get back in, and yet he doesn't realize that he's kryptonite, so even the left doesn't want him. And remember, finally, that when Obama came into office, he wanted to be CIA director, and it was the left, not people on the right, that said, you know what, he was the architect of enhanced interrogation. And before he reinvented himself as a leftist, he had been a Bush partisan and had been pushing for positions that were to the right of the Bush administration. And then when you know, the king is dead, long live the king. And then when Obama came in, he made the necessary careerist adjustments. So he's, he's kind of a disreputable person, I think.
be frank. To put it, to, to put it uh, very diplomatically, uh, Victor Davis Hanson, you've told us that North Carolina, Georgia, Arizona uh, are very likely to be put in the president's column. Pennsylvania is not out of the question. Should there be a determination and a certification that the president wins 270 electoral college votes? What happens to what happens to this? What happens on the streets of America? Well, you'll have chaos, utter chaos. We all know you will. We had utter chaos here in California when Biden was prematurely announced. We, we're on a lockdown, Sebastian. We're told that on Thanksgiving we cannot have more than three distinct families, and we have to inspect our bathrooms, and we have to hold Thanksgiving out in November weather outside. And yet San Francisco and L.A. erupted with fireworks and mass celebrations without masks or social distancing, and people that... Uh, where the architects of that quarantine applauded that. So there's no there's no rhyme or reason. So we should expect mass chaos. And but we're, talking about, we're talking about violence. Yeah, I think there'll be violence. Absolutely. It won't come from the right. I mean, as people have pointed out, the, the plywood came down after Biden supposedly won because nobody yes. ever feared the right. And it was always a question of the left. But what would get them very angry is that I think there's a way, I'm not predicting it, I'm just saying there's a good chance that Arizona and Georgia, and especially North Carolina, either through close scrutiny of the original count or a recount, Trump still has a very good chance, 40, 60, 50, 50 of winning, without any, without any uh, legal recourse, just going back and doing what we should have done in the beginning. If that should happen, this case is enormously strengthened because the one thing that everybody agrees on left and right was that the state legislature of Pennsylvania was overridden by local magistrates, officials, some cases unelected, and state judges. Everybody agrees with that left and right. The question is, how many votes did that affect? And uh, do you want to overturn an election because uh, you want to support the Constitution or not? And that's what terrifies the left. The very strange predicament we find ourselves in as a nation that uh, should we have transparency in the elections, should we find that there is a corrective needed and the person who is the president is declared correctly as the winner, that's the result we should be afraid of in terms of violence is not what we should be living in in this great nation. He is the author of The Case for Trump. Uh, order it right now. Follow him on Twitter, V.D. Hansen, senior fellow at the Hoover Institution at Stanford, regular contributor at NRO and also American Greatness, amgreatness.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership program offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. This is Lon He Chen of the Hoover Institution for townhall.com. Chinese leader Xi Jinping is sending a message to Washington. Regardless of who is in the Oval Office, their authoritarian crackdown on Hong Kong will continue. Beijing just passed a resolution permitting the expulsion of any Hong Kong legislators who aren't sufficiently loyal to the Chinese Communist Party. 
Hong Kong's chief executive, who is loyal to Beijing herself, immediately kicked out four legislators, prompting another 15 in the 70-seat Hong Kong legislature to resign a few hours later. Xi and his allies are tightening the noose on Hong Kong, exerting more and more power over it. This latest action comes on the heels of a sweeping national security law passed over the summer, which installed more of China's security apparatus in Hong Kong and significantly limited freedoms of speech and protest traditionally granted to its residents. The Chinese Communist Party has made its intentions toward Hong Kong clear. It's now up to the U.S. and our allies who believe in freedom and democracy to stand against Beijing's bullying. I'm Lan He Chen. Publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu.